Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Human Nutrition and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm pleased to introduce again to you, Mr. Brian Sanders. If, if anybody didn't realize we had Brian on the podcast a couple of years ago now, it was when we first started uh, talking to people on the podcast. I think it was episode six, if you want to go back and listen mm. to episode six. So uh, today, again, we get to catch up with Brian and uh, see if his nutrition lifestyle is still very similar to what it was before and listen to any different things that he's picked up along the way. So welcome, Brian. If you just want oh, to man. introduce yourself again, just to people who don't know you, tell us a bit about what your nutrition lifestyle actually is. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me back. So I've been on a nine-year journey. I started as a mechanical engineer. So it was sort of, you know, nothing to do with nutrition, but I found my way here. And now it's all I do. I make making a film called Food Lies that turned into a six-part series. So that's all about this stuff. I've interviewed hundreds of people along the way. I have my own podcast called Peak Human. I have a whole company with a doctor called Sapien, and we help people get better, get off medications, you know, fix all their, not all their problems. It's pretty hard to fix all your problems, but so many problems can be fixed through diet and lifestyle, through nutrition. And I do that. And then I also have a company called Nose to Tail because along the way, a couple of years ago, I was like, hey, I need to support regenerative agriculture and, you know, put my money where my mouth is and say, Hey, this is the solution. Meat is a health food. We just need to raise it better. And so I do that here in the States, get people out, good meat, body care products, stuff like that. But yeah, I'm just all about this stuff. The, the film food lies, I guess we call it a series docu-series. Hopefully we'll be done by the end of the year. We're trying to get it on Netflix whole idea is to go mainstream, go big, you know, let the world see this, put all this information into one film, one series. It's a six part series. It would be a three hour film, right? <laughs> so we had to break it up into six part series. So it's, you know, like 30 minute episodes and it covers pretty much everything. And we can cover maybe all of it today, <laughs> see what we can get into. Yeah, that's brilliant. I'm so excited that you're going to be bringing that out. And it sounds like it's going to be hitting every single avenue of going down and breaking it down for everybody. Because when people say try and get podcasts out there and try and get films out there, it's so difficult to explain everything in a short period of time. So I think you need that long six-part documentary that you're doing now to get it all out there and get all the information that people need. So you mentioned meat there. Is that what you're you are are you kind of carnivore type of based is that what you go for your type of nutrition well just through my journeys just i didn't come in with a, a bias i actually came in as like a food pyramid person nine years ago i was following you know what do you have eat well there, you know it's the same across the world it's the same bad dietary guidelines that are based on grains and processed foods and fruits and vegetables so I came in there like I wasn't some carnivore guy. Like I, you know, I actually was not doing well. The the, the quicker backstory that maybe I talked about last time was that my parents, I lost both my parents about nine years ago. And that's what led me down this path. And I completely changed my life and my health just by simply cutting out most of the grains and refined sugars and vegetable oils and replacing it with more meat. That's the whole story. You I I ate more meat and fat. And I got rid of brains and sugar and oil and my entire life changed. And you asked what's changed in the past two years since we talked. 
Not much. I mean, I'm still on that path. I think it's it's just proven out more and more each day. I am eating more fruit and more maybe sweet potatoes, and I make some bone broth rice so that uh, you know, it's like a pretty clean source of carbs. And I'm you know trying to lift more weights and you know maybe gain a little muscle. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I I have changed, so we can talk about that. But like generally, it all comes down to that. Is it's the simplest thing of processed foods are bad, and the food pyramid is make up made up of processed foods. All the dietary guidelines of the world are made up of processed foods. People don't understand that bread is a processed food. This is not a good food. Maybe if you know you were a couple thousand years ago, you know, grinding einkorn wheat, you know, something like traditional wheat and you know made your own fermented sourdough yeah it'd be okay you know not so bad but no that's not what's happening today it's highly processed food is i think it's bad for pretty much everyone so yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's great that's, what, that's great yeah. because everything that i try and promote here as well is about real food i mean there is lots of boxes like you say that you can go in with the keto and the paleo carnivore camps and I have spoken to people from each one of those and they'll tell you why it's, it's the best for them. And it maybe is at certain points in their life. That's why I always say people will change. You can go into keto, you can go into paleo, you can go into carnivore, but it doesn't always mean that you have to stay there. But one thing that I think where you have to stay, though, is what you mentioned, is getting rid of all those processed foods and try and focus on real foods. Try and focus on if, it, mm. if fruit agrees with you, go with fruit. If certain carbohydrates like potatoes agree with you that's perfectly fine you know you don't have to restrict this that and the other to have a nutrient dense nutrition lifestyle which is why i promote that's why i say it's got to be a lifestyle because nobody can be well some people can but not very many people can be 100 percent um over onto the carnivore side 100 percent onto the keto side you will often find that there's certain things within your life that you have to bend the rules for so why not make it that anyway? Why not make it a lifestyle anyway and be able to incorporate everything into you, become metabolically flexible and be able to incorporate everything into your lifestyle? I'm pleased you found that path for yourself because I believe that everybody should be aiming for that path. That's exactly the path. It's 100% what I found. You're taking the words out of my mouth. There's all these different dietary tools i call it a framework it's a it's a diet and life it's a, it's a yeah it's not a diet it's a lifestyle it's a framework even because if you want to talk specifically about what are these dietary approaches well there it's a framework and within that framework could be carnivore keto paleo absolutely all of these things are amazing and yeah i think i i've, I've come along in my learning as, along the way and realized I don't have to just be one of those. And I don't have to just say like, this is the way to go. And even if at the time, that's what was working for me, I think I've, well, I'm glad that it's taken so long to make this docu-series because I've kind of come out of certain camps and just saw things from a higher level. And when you look at things from the high level, it's exactly what you're talking about. It's just about nutrient dense food. It's about whole food. It's about doing something sustainable for life. It's about being a little bit flexible. Like I, yeah, and I'll eat a piece of pizza. Like I don't care because that's not the bulk of my diet. Like if I'm, you know, if it's someone's birthday, you know, we're hanging out, we got a pizza. I'm not going to not eat it and cause a scene and be like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, no, I'm metabolically flexible. I probably fix a lot of my gut issues. Like I can handle things. If you're doing that every day, it's not the same thing at all. It's completely different. It's like one of the biggest lessons people need to know about diet and lifestyle nutrition 
is the big the difference between acute and chronic. It's the same thing with everything, actually. Acute stress versus chronic stress. If you do something stressful every single day, then it's gonna be it's gonna beat down your body. But if you lift weights strategically two to three times a week, that's a great stress. It does break down your body and then your body builds back up and gets stronger. If you just sat there lifting weights two times a day, seven days a week, it would not go well. This is well known. Weightlifters do not do that. They very much know about resting and all this stuff. So same thing with food. If you have one pizza per month, you're totally fine. Unless you have, you know, severe problems. I'm not saying everyone should do it. Or if you have food addiction, don't do that either. You know what I mean? I don't want to spin people out of control. For me, totally fine. Maybe yeah, I'd be my, better if I didn't do it. My you say <laughs> is uh, talking to the general person. I mean, there is always going to be them outliers that need to refine things, need to really knuckle down perhaps into a carnivore diet or something like that to help their uh, illness that they've got. But most people need to, like you say, dip in, dip out. Perhaps at certain times they need their carnivore diet. At certain times they need their keto diet, but be flexible with it. You know, make sure that you understand that just because it's working for you at this point may not continue to work for you all the way through. And I deal a lot with beginners and it's really hard to start people off on a path and explain to them that, look, perhaps we're doing keto at the moment and then we may do carnivore and then we may do something else down the road. But and all together, when you bring it all together, your main aim is that metabolic flexibility. Your main aim is to be able to bulletproof your body, if it will, bulletproof your body so that you can go through your life like you say. You don't have to decline the pizza. You don't have to decline the, the bit of birthday cake because you know that you've got 90% of your uh, lifestyle nutrition nailed down and, and you've removed most of those processed foods. So it's great that we're both shooting from the, the same place. And mm -hmm. uh, You mentioned that you've got been on a learning curve with the, your own nutrition lifestyle as well. And I know that you looked into what our ancestors do and how, how our ancestors used to um, design their lifestyle and design their nutrition. And you went to visit those tribes and you went to see what's happened within those tribes. Um, listening to you and, and learning things from you as well, myself, I knew that um, the two things that come across from, from, from your journey for me, what I wanted to ask you was, number one, how processed foods and oils have seemed to have creeped their way into nowadays tribes. And number two, how they still have nutrient-dense food and prize organ meat. So I'd like to hear a little bit about your journey and, and what you found out. Well, yeah, it was great. It was, it's a year and a half ago now. So we went for the film, went to Tanzania and Uganda. We spent time with the Hadza, the Maasai, a bunch of other groups that people probably haven't heard of in Tanzania, then went over with the pygmies or the Batwa uh, in Uganda. So learned a lot from them. It actually just confirmed a lot of the stuff of what I was learning, you know, just through the research and podcasts and lectures and all this stuff, it all lines up. That That's the, the beauty of it. Like to, just to go back, yeah, carnivore keto, like there's all these things. People get kind of obsessed with what they, they're doing now or what worked for them, but they don't. And they think like, these are the rules. So I have to do this, but you have to zoom out and say, what is what do these diets have in common? And like, why do they work? And why is this? You know, and, and when you do that, then you realize it, it comes down to nutrient density and avoiding. Well, basically, nutrient density implies you're not eating processed foods because processed foods aren't nutrient dense. It's basically a whole bunch of extra calories from the worst things, refined calories from sugars, grains, oils. 
that are added into your food that dilute out nutrients, right? So by definition, they are not nutrient dense because they're just stuffed with extra stuff. <laughs> if you want to, you know, so this is kind of the unifying theory. It kind of works for everything. Why, why are all people not, why are all the people that are healthy eating completely seemingly different diets, but are still healthy? Like you could go to the Maasai and the Hadza. So these people are eating a super high meat diet. The Maasai are famous for eating blood, meat, and milk. The men mostly do. I mean, they have the traditions around the men doing this. Women don't exactly do that. But they're eating basically a weird carnivore diet. And they're super tall, healthy, strong, amazing teeth. Amaz like it was amazing to see these people in person. And I don't think we even saw the best like in Kenya. We were in Tanzania, the, the, the Maasai are in both. Some of these guys, their average height is like 6'2", just the average and just, just the healthiest people you've ever seen. And they're just eating blood, meat, and milk. But what does that have in common with there's other populations? That, I mean, I haven't really visited that many of these. Like there's a Sukasente or the Simane or the um, Tokulawans. Some of these people eat a high carb diet. But it's all real food, right? It's just like they, they, it's what they have to offer. Some people like to bring up the blue zones. They're like, oh, what about the Okinawans? Like, yeah, well, yeah, they ate sweet potatoes. Like their traditional diet would be sweet potatoes and vegetables and fish and pork. And it was like, yeah, I, like just because they ate a lot of sweet potatoes doesn't mean it's a, you know, it's some weird, like inexplainable diet it's like no they're eating a whole foods nutrient dense diet they they regard pork as a longevity food they love they eat nose to tail they eating all the parts of the animal they're eating all the parts of the seafood super nutrient dense things you know you're getting like mollusks and all i mean seafood is you're eating the whole animal you're getting all the nutrients a lot of the time and they and they do eat the whole animal too they're like eating the fish heads you know they're eating the eyeballs they're doing all these things so you you have all these seemingly different diets that people can't understand right the mainstream just says hey these are plant-based these guys are plant-based they're so healthy because they're plant-based like no they're not healthy because they're plant-based they're healthy because they're whole foods based and they're getting their key nutrients from animal foods there's no healthy population that doesn't get their key nutrients from animal foods nowadays people are trying and there's vegans are trying to and they're trying to get their nutrients in a false way from fake supplements and stuff like that but no one you, you can't get around that is you need the key nutrients from from animal foods even if it's a small part of your diet that's how amazing animal foods are you can be like the togu lounge for example they're they're on you know the island in the micronesia or something or you know near tonga or i, I forget where oh, i think it's the same thing micronesia tonga uh they're eating all they have access to is you know just tons of tubers and stuff and they have but they're getting, they're getting great nutrition from seafood when they have it. And, and that is the, their key nutrients. That's why they're still healthy and strong and alive is they can get so much quality protein, quality fat, minerals, vitamins from the fish that that sustains them. So that's like kind of my big message here. And But I'll, I'll go back to the Africa part. This is what I saw. So they, different times of the year, like I was only there for, you know, one part of the year, but this is, you know, kind of what we gathered from them going to different groups and seeing what they're doing. They're always after animal foods, but they have to rely on different things at different times of the year, even in different times of history. It's sad that nowadays they're pushed off into lands that 
isn't great. They're being marginalized. You know, this happens so many times with colonialism. People, you know, the big countries come in, Britain, America, you know, and they push people off their land and then to give them like little slices, you know, on the corners and they, these people have hard times. So this is, we saw it. They, the government in Africa, they want all the good land to have preserves, uh, you know, for game reserves are called, right. To have uh, tourists come and pay tons of money to the government to be on that land and, and do a safari and all that. So that's, and, or just cities, right. People, you know, obviously these, these, places are just developing as well. So the Hadza have very little land to hunt on. Also, the, the animals are way smaller. So if you look back in history, before 12,000 years ago, there was gigantic animals. And I interviewed all of these people for the film that are doing this research. I, I interviewed some of these great paleoanthropologists and archaeologists that are the actual ones that dug up the mastodon bones and looked for the cut marks and say, wow, this is like human a million years ago, ate this, you know, that it even goes back 3.5 million years ago, we were crushing open bones and skulls to get the bone marrow and the brains out. And so uh, we talked about this film, I had some great interviews with the scientists doing that research. And that's what we did. Then all the, we didn't have all these big fatty animals. Uh, there's sort of multiple theories of when, when and why this happened. But around 12,000 years ago, this, they kind of died out. And guess what? We we started farming. People kind of know that. Like 12,000 years ago, we started settling down and doing agriculture. So either way, some people say overhunting. I don't think that's true. That Some people say there's like uh, impacts, like big impacts that affected, that completely wiped out a lot of these megafauna and kind of blocked out the sun and a lot of things died off. But we were in need of calories. And so we didn't have these large fatty animals anymore. And so we had to probably... That's why we had to develop agriculture. It's like, okay, well, let's domesticate these grains and settle down. And we kind of didn't know the ramifications. We don't, we thought, you know, it's like calories are calories. That's why I hate this idea that a calorie is a calorie because it's not. There's so many, so much difference between a, you know, nutrient dense calorie and a, um, you know, empty calorie, right? It's what's called empty calories. It's just nothingness, just sugar, just grain. So that's what happened. We, we decided to, settle down and eat all these grains. And we actually got shorter and we had more disease and our brains got smaller. And we can see this in the archeological record is that there is a line in the sand when we look at the remains of people before and after agriculture. So this is kind of an extension of what's happening now in, in like the most extreme way, because now they have the, the very small animals. They, they can't even get you know, they used to be able to get zebras and like bigger animals to eat, like kudu, you know, these are kind of like antelope and they had all these bigger animals until just the last, I don't know, 50 years. It's they've now, when we went hunting with the Hudza guys, we were there for three days. They were getting like these tiny little animals. They had a bush baby. A bush baby is like the size of, not even the size of a football. It's the size of, Oh man, it's just like a small little melon or, you know, something like that. It's like a, uh, it's not big at all. And they had, they have to, that's what they eat. They, they did get a, um, a small dick, dick, tick, tick or dick, dick. It's, um, like a little antelope thing when we were there and we ate that, they cut it open for me and I got to eat the liver raw and it had 
all these guts all over the knife. You know, this knife has never been washed and, you know, they're just cutting open guts and, and giving it to me with slime on it. And I ate it and felt great. Uh, <laughs> really? uh, so yeah, I think they have, they have a great uh, microbiome, I think as well. Right. And I think it's because they're eating stuff. They don't have Purell. They're not like covering themselves in sanitizer <laughs> every second. They don't use antibacterial soaps. And uh, that's, that's a side story, but they, yeah, they ate the whole animal. It was a small animal. They also got a, uh, oh man, what kind of primate was it? It was, it was gross. It was a baboon. baboon it was really yeah. gross. Actually, the last day they got a baboon and they, they skinned it. I was like, I, I'm not, I'm not taking part in this. They're like trying to get me to eat some of it. I was like, no, dude, it, it kind of, it kind of was sitting around all day and it smelled bad and it's just gross. It's too close to humans. I'm not trying to eat primates. So that's what they have to eat though. But yeah. every day, that's what they go after. They go after animals and that's what the men do. And the women stay back and they're kind of just searching for what they can. Uh, we were with another group too, when the women were digging up tubers, you know, and, and famously that's what they, that's what they do. And we saw it and they, these tubers were not like a modern potato at all. These, we, these were these giant tubers that were super fibrous and they baked them. They would put them by a fire and let them bake for who knows how long. Then they would kind of cut it up and they just chew on it. And then they just spit out all the fiber. That was pretty interesting too. Then they gave me some, you can't eat it. I don't know what to compare it to, but you're just gnawing on just cellulose. It's just like eating like a piece of wood and you're just chewing it. And then it just, it's just like a piece of wood that's a little softer than normal wood. And then you just, you just still have 90% of it when you're done and you just spit it out. <laughs> and so I, the, another side story, you got these, these like Harvard uh, anthropologist guys like Herman Ponser, who I think is just totally off. He's like talking about how the, how much fiber the pods that eat. And you know, these studies are like, oh, they eat like a hundred grams of fiber a day. And like everyone's so healthy in Africa because they're just eating fiber, fiber, fiber. We need to eat like a thousand plants. I think that is completely untrue. Like if I, I think just that one example is how they get this bogus info because maybe that the scientists, for one, they have this bias. They These Harvard guys, they think that we need to eat seven to 11 servings of grains. I talked to Herman Ponser on the phone once. It was terrible. He and this other guy, one of these, I've talked to these guys that, that do this research. They're just, they think I'm insane. They're like, what, what, why are you eating animal foods? It's, that's so bad for the planet. It's bad for you. You need to eat grains. You know, they like heard what film I'm making. They're like, no, no, no. You need fiber. You're so, it's, we're plant-based. They have, so they come in with these biases. So they go, they see these people eating a big tuber. And so they're like, oh, okay, let's measure this. Let's, you know, take it back to the lab. Wow. There's like a thousand grams of fiber in this giant tuber. Okay. 10 people were eating it. We'll give them a hundred grams of fiber per day. No, they spit it all out. I eat zero fiber. I was gnawing on that thing for 10 minutes. I got zero fiber. All I did was get a little juice. I got a little like glucose out of it. I mean, I got a few calories of just pure sugar basically. Right. And it's fine. That's how they survive. I didn't eat any fiber though. I had zero fiber. So I think <laughs> that's a side story of, of how off we are with these measurements and they also they're they're not getting plants i mean maybe i don't it was actually kind of the dry season i don't think it, this was like especially like good hunting season and they still got meat that's all they were after was getting meat they weren't 
like, oh, we're just going to go build a huge salad. You know, let's get like a giant bowl and let's fill it up with, you know, 15 kinds of leaves and eat it. No, that's not what's going on. <laughs> I think it's so amazing to hear the stories like that. And, and your experience is something um, super valuable because you can see where we've evolved from. That's the best thing. You can see uh, what our ancestors used to do. Um millennia ago you can see that in these tribes nowadays and it's great for your accounts to come across and to to teach us that and to, to pick up things like the the fibrous uh, um, tubers that those get in as well because obviously like you say it gets construed into one thing and it perhaps isn't if you can just spend the time with the tribes and look and see what's really going on and it's, it's so valuable to, for people to hear your experience with that but there was one other thing that i picked up from um what you said before was about now it's becoming a bit more of a tourist attraction. Now people are going to see these tribes and then people are probably bringing in processed foods for them. Um, have you, have, have they noticed a difference and did you notice a difference um, mm. that, and that, they, that you saw that people were bringing in processed foods to them? What did they make of that? Oh yeah, absolutely. And there's different levels of that as further you get away from the city. So we should talk about all the different places, right? Because in the city, they are inundated with processed foods and they are very unhealthy. The further you get away from the city, the less processed foods they have, the healthier they are. So there's, we can break it down to the city. Then there's like the villages, which they don't have, you know, convenience stores in the villages. They're just kind of eating whole foods, but they're actually having to rely on mostly plant foods. And it's actually not going well for them. I'll come back around to that. Then you get all the way out to the, like the actual hunter gatherers, like the few remaining people, right? That's the furthest out. You drive like six hours in a safari vehicle to get there. And that's, you know, the Hadza. But we, we, we looked at all three of those different, you know, groups and, and their diets and sort of made observations. So when you get all the way out to the Hadza, they... Definitely didn't have anything, but one of the groups we visited was the quote tourist group. So that definitely was something that was different than, and you can't really make that much out of, you know, the observations because it's compromised. Because when we were there, we were trying to do, do like a real experience. You know, we spent a long time setting it up so we could do the real thing. Like we want to go hunting. Like we, we do not want some tourist thing. When, and we saw the tourists come through and visit these people because these people were the most close to society. You know, they were the most agreeable. They're like the one group that, that was okay with it. And the, the standard thing is tourists come in for like 30 minutes. It's like one hour. It's like your tour guide. It's like, oh, we get one hour with the Hadza. You show up, they bring candy. The, the, you know, you, you watch them like cook by their fire they eat the candy and then you, you take a few photos and you leave so we saw these groups come in and out and do that and while we were like actually trying to hang out with them and actually spend time with them and, and we actually went hunting with them we you know what i mean so we saw what was going on and it was yes multiple tourists multiple treats candies you know and the and the thing is these these guys loved it who wouldn't like you know if you're just sitting there eating like just tasteless meat all day it's nice to, you know, get someone to give you a chocolate bar or like some sort of sugary candy. Their teeth were messed up though, right? So this Hadza group, their teeth were really messed up. And it was interesting that some of the the younger guys, they did they they weren't as healthy. And the older guy, they were kind of like not, they didn't want 
the treats. It's kind of interesting to see sort of the old timers just sort of refuse it. They weren't eating it. And we actually even took a little like measure blood measurements and stuff. I was with a nutritionist lady who, who helped and like the older guys had better blood glucose. Like actually the like younger guy that was eating all the candy, we, his blood sugar shot up like a rocket. And I'm like, Oh man, this is not doing well for me. This is not good. But what's interesting is the other group I mentioned, because we saw multiple different groups, they, they were not the tourist group and they did have good teeth and they were healthier. It, it was pretty amazing. Like they were just doing way better. So yes, this, their health can decline quickly and your dental health is actually a, a window into your health. And that's the whole Weston price stuff, which I'm sure you know about and have talked about before. And we probably talked about last time, but that's what Weston price saw is that went around the world. And as soon as the cultures got the modern foods, their, their teeth went bad cavities, you know, even their jaws couldn't even fit all their teeth anymore if they didn't get proper nutrition. And yes, it can go downhill quickly. And so definitely saw that. And then with the villagers, I, I wanted to come back around to the, the step two, right? Between the city and the hunter gatherers, we got a group of elders together and we wanted to talk to them and like learn from this group of elders. We got like 30 of the oldest people in this village. We didn't actually know it was an agricultural village. Mm -hmm. And so we thought we were going to get like this healthy group of strong people like that just ate their natural diet their whole life. We got there, we started talking to them with our translator and they just, they just survived on corn flour. Like they, they didn't, they eat something called Ugali, which is just corn flour in water. And if you can get some milk, you put the corn flour in the milk and it's like a porridge. And that's kind of what a lot of these people are surviving on now because they don't have access to enough animal foods. And so they eat, they have, they grow whatever crops, you know, they can have fruit. There's like, say a lot of bananas, especially in Uganda, they have like millions and millions of bananas. So these people are just eating bananas and whatever fruit they can grow and some cornmeal and flour or cornmeal and water. And they're not doing well. This is not good nutrition. They're surviving. They're not obese, but they are deteriorating like Americans and anyone else in the world that eats those ways. These, this group of people were in their 60s, 70s. They were bent over, they had arthritis, they had all kinds of problems. They were complaining of problems. We had to end early because they were so uncomfortable just sitting in a chair. You know, people kept getting up and leaving and they were like hunched over walking around, but they were so proud of their diet because they're like, we, it's almost like they had to be proud of Ugali and eating because this gave them nourishment. This was like the only calories they had. And they were just all about Ugali and they're like, we grow our foods and and it was just interesting because when we asked elderly people out in the actual hunter-gatherer native living people, like the Hadza and the other ones, they did not have issues. These older people were not hunched over. They We even asked them with our great translator, do you have knee pain? They're like, no, what, what is that? Like, do you have back pain? They're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they, they didn't even know what we were talking about. We kept asking them and and... They're like, did you have back pain? And finally the translator was like, yes, he, he fell out of a tree five years ago <laughs> and he had back pain because he fell out of the tree. We're like, okay, not that, not, not, we're not talking about that. So they, we asked so many questions about to the women, like about pregnancy. It's like, do, like, do your kids die? Is it hard? They're like, no, 
super easy. It's just like you go out and you have a baby. That's it. It's like, do you have problem pain around uh, menstruation? They're like, no. Like, do you have, like, we just kept asking questions. Just no, no, no. They just lived like humans. Like, uh, it was crazy. I, I think, and I mean, I know it works because I've done that for the past nine years where now I just don't need a doctor and I don't take any medications. I don't have over-the-counter medications. I don't have heartburn anymore. I don't have joint pain. I don't have all these things I used to have. I used to have allergies, used to have all this stuff. This just went away. And I, so I, so the, the big takeaway is if you just live like a human, you are just human. You're just like, your body looks correct. It's in the right proportions. You don't carry excess fat. You don't have inflammation in your joints. You don't have problems. You just work, right? Like everyone knows that maybe when they were a teen, I don't know, for some people, it's farther back than others where their body just was normal. And we just think it's normal to just disintegrate. And it's like, oh man, I'm 30 now. I just, I'm not gonna be able to play sports anymore. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm just gonna have to, you know, have heartburn and this indigestion. I'm just gonna, you know, have knee pain, blah, blah, blah. No, you don't need that. I've experienced it. I've seen it firsthand. These people don't experience it. It seems like they just kind of get old and die. You know, it's like at a certain point, they just kind of drop dead. I think it's, it's kind of like a Mark Sisson line. If, if you know Mark Sisson, he's great. He's 68, looking amazing. He's like live long, drop dead. He's all about that, where you just, you live and then, yeah, you fall off a cliff or you, you know, you get like some sort of disease from the water and you just die. And that's what humans did, I think, forever. And I think humans could live. We know humans can live to 120, right? We see people living to 120 now. It's not like these people lived to 120 because they were propped up on modern machines. You know what I mean? Like the stories you hear, it's just some old lady who's like, I eat bacon every day. You know, I had my little glass of brandy every night. You know, they have like their weird stories, but they're just random people that just probably ate whole foods. You know, it's like they just grew up on a farm or something. They ate milk and meat and potatoes and vegetables, whatever. And they just ate real foods and they just managed to live. So I think that's what happened if we didn't get taken out by sort of infectious diseases or accidents. Uh, we could have just lived long and just dropped dead. Yeah, I, th I think we can. I think that's the ultimate goal for everybody to do. I think, you know, just live your life and try to avoid all those chronic diseases and, and anything that could take you down a, a long descent towards the end, which nobody wants today. Everybody wants to try and keep going higher and higher and higher all the way to the end as much as they possibly can. And I, lo I love the way that you you say there that the further away you got from the city, then it's kind of like a uh, a diagram. You could see it getting worse and worse and worse all the way from the city. And every, most people nowadays, most people listening to this, are going to be in the city. Are going to be in that ball of processed food. And, and and really, what you need to do in your own mind is take yourself away from it, like like Brian's saying, and and, and go that step. You know, perhaps take that first step to the where that tribe were with the Ungali, um, and just take yourself away from the processed food. Sure, that's maybe not optimal health, but then you can go even further away and go right out into the into the Hadza mm -hmm. tribes as far as you can go and, and try and opt for more nutrient-dense foods. And they tend to be the animal foods, the ones they prize, um, the ones they go for mostly. Did you, did you um, say, ask, ask them or, or, or get an impression from them that uh, they were to eat particular parts of the animal and they weren't to eat particular parts of the animal? Um, did they have a feeling for certain things like organ meats and did they prize that? 
Yeah, yeah, they de- well, they got the liver first. It was first and foremost, it's cut out the guts. So they didn't need the guts. No one needs the guts. I, well, I'll tell you about the, the Maasai, actually. So, for, but the Hadza, they took the guts. Actually, you know what? I don't know what went on. The dogs, it seemed like their dogs stole the guts. So I didn't know <laughs> if they were going to give them to the dogs anyway or if they were going to do something else with them. I mean, it, but the dogs stole them, and I remember them getting mad because the Huds have a group of dogs that go hunting with them. So it's these wild dogs that just hang around them and help them hunt. It's pretty cool. And so they get they get the scraps. So they, they stole the guts. It seemed like they put them up in a tree. They eat the liver, and then they cook. Then they, like, quarter it, and, you know, they quarter the animal, and they cook it on sticks around the fire. And they eat everything, the brains. Like, there was the, the one youngest kid was with the men, I don't know how old he was, maybe 13, 14. He was like, you know, part of the, the adults now. He was gnawing on the skull. Like he had this cooked skull of this little tic-tic just gnawing on it, like getting every bit and piece and tendon off the skull, then cracked open the skull and started eating the brain and gave me some of the brain. So I ate, it was like pudding. It was like this sort of like tasteless pudding, that the brain, the cooked brain. So that was pretty good, but Man, yeah, they're not wasting anything. Like they're gnawing every bit. Like they are chewing on the bones. Like they are getting all of it. And then with the Maasai, they butchered a lamb for us. But, you know, we got a sheep and they drank the blood. So the the one guy, he was kind of showing off. He was just like drinking the blood out of the neck. (laughs) He like, they like slits the neck and he was like collecting in a bowl and just like drinking it and like kind of like getting his head under the the neck and getting the blood. So they're not even wasting the blood. And then they, again, like they cut it up into all the pieces, put it up on sticks, eat the whole animal. The Maasai put all of the guts into a a pot. So they had a pot. The Hadza, they don't have anything. Like they have like one knife and that's it. Like they, everything else is just made from nature and they you don't even have tools that, you know, they just stick things on a stick and then cook it. So the, the Maasai had a few things, like they'll have like a pot, they'll trade some, you know, someone for like a big metal pot and they put all of the guts and all the organs. Oh, we, we ate the liver raw too. Sorry. With, with the sheep that they butchered, they drained the blood, drank it, and then, um, shared the liver with us. And then they put the rest of the organs into a pot and they stewed it up for, I think, three or four hours. It was like a very long process of them boiling it. And they added some herbs. So they call it herbs. So actually, there's another thing. When when scientists go and they're like, oh, these these groups are eating these herbs. It's I don't I don't even know if it's like herbs like we think. They don't get like a bushel of cilantro and a big thing of green onions and like a bushel of whatever. They're just their herbs were like roots. Like they, so they got this peppery root that was just white root and they put it in the pot and they boiled it. And so there was, there actually was no herbs. I'm not against herbs. I actually love herbs. Like I don't, I don't eat like big kale salads or anything. I eat, you know, some herbs. Like I just eat like herbs on the side of my meat, but uh, they got these roots that were peppery and they probably served some sort of purpose. Maybe it was antimicrobial. You know, maybe it adds some flavor, but they had all these guts in the pot. And so after we ate the very, very tough and tasteless meat that they cut off for us and we ate the throat, we were eating everything. Like we we just happened to sit next, my little group was sitting next to a guy uh, 
who was just cutting us like the throat and the the like shoulder bone and then we were just eating like random chewy bits off this animal and we just kept eating it but anyway we, we you just eat it all you know what i mean there's no like cuts they don't even they don't butcher like cuts of meat they're just like we're eating this whole animal and all of them were just eating it with us i say groups like we each like we were with the Maasai and then our group was four people, you know, my director guy and Mary, the nutritionist. And we were just, everyone just goes, gets their own stick of meat. And then they, they cut off bits and pieces and you just keep eating it. And he just hands you a little bit until it's gone. And then at the end, they take the stew, which was pretty much just like the guts and like the feces and all the like entrails in one pot and it smelled like diarrhea <laughs> like it was not good and i i drank it like at the end like mary was is like hey we're, we got to drink this you know it's part of the experience and i didn't see her do it but because i had to go back to the tent i came back and i was like did you do this because this does not smell good and she's like yes i did this i was like all right <laughs> and i drank it and um i survived i felt great i my I felt amazing the whole trip after eating these weird things. I, my stomach was fine. I felt better. I felt amazing. Like, I think my microbiome improved. You know, we're talking about like, they don't have all the sanitizers. They don't use all the Purells or whatever. I think I probably got in, invaluable microbes from doing stuff like this that probably can keep me healthy. Yeah, brilliant. I love it because lots of people will, like turn the noses up at certain cuts of meat and won't go, won't opt for offal or certainly not brain or anything like that. Um, but as you describe it, they go for everything, even boiling up the, the guts at the end into a stew. And, and, and you've just got to think that that's their one main thing is to get as much nutrition as they can from that one particular animal. And that's what we should be striving for as well. We shouldn't be going into the supermarkets and just looking for the the tenderest steak you could find. I mean, they probably didn't even know what a steak was. They just, like you say, chopped up little bits of meat and and, and ate them along the way. And and that's, that's absolutely brilliant to hear. And, and it's really valuable experience that you've had. And <laughs> I hope some of the listeners, some of the viewers can get lots from it. Um, but um, you said earlier about plants and there is this big agenda at the moment going on about plants versus meat and when you look back and when you visit tribes like like you have done, you can see that, yes, you know, we can, we can have plants in our nutrition. There's nothing wrong with having plants in our nutrition. And you said it yourself a little bit earlier on, but we really do need the meat. We need meat in our nutrition to get all the vitamins and all the minerals and, and have basically all the bases covered. So uh, why do we seem to be going down this vegan agenda at the moment? Mm. And can you dispel a few myths there for us? Yeah, it's a big story. Um, depends on how how far back you want to go and if you want to wear my tinfoil hat or not. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot. I actually did a presentation at a conference here in Texas, and it was called Exposing the Trillion Dollar Agenda Against Red Meat. Because I think there definitely is something going on, and it's definitely like sort of a worldwide thing and that everyone's kind of on the same page that is in the, you know, these global forces, the sort of upper powers that be that are doing this. And it kind of trickles down into the media, into the mainstream culture through, I think there's a guiding hand in this. You know, I don't think this is just random that all of a sudden we're like, oh, plant-based is amazing. Cause we're like, hey, 
for all of history, we were after animal foods. There's simple, basic nutrition science that shows animal foods are the healthiest thing we can get bioavailable, more bioavailable than plant foods, you know, more complete nutrition. So why all of a sudden would we go backwards and go against science? So there has to be something because it makes no sense, right? So it just depends on how conspiratorial you want to be about it and how, you know what I mean? You could, on the surface level, we just know it. it's not true. No, you know, that we we know basic science, like I said, that animal foods are more nutritious. Yeah, without, so, without a doubt, I think it's driven by money and profits and advertising. And, that's what I'm saying. So yeah, yeah, there's money, there's profits. So on the simplest level, or the complex level is just money and profit. And it's just like how deep you go into that money and profit web and, you know, how much you can trace it back and why it's so coordinated um, is where you can get conspiratorial. But it is simple that there's just money and profit that people make way more money on processed plant foods. That was kind of the culmination of the presentation or just one of them was that there is a like law of nature that there like there's a simple law of nature that you can make more money off of processing plant foods, right? That is just a law of nature. It just happens to be, and the Egyptians figured that out. That's how we first had this like extreme disparity in wealth and power is because these Egyptian pharaohs, they became pharaohs by accumulating wealth, which was accumulating grains and you could store them and you could tax them. So it's like, if you can, it's something that's storable and it's something that people need, it's calories. And so that same thing has still been going on. These gigantic food corporations, they realize the most profit is in processing down plant foods, whether it be those seed oils, whether it be the grains, or whether it be sugars and corn syrup or any other type of sugars. These are all from plants. They all are super cheap. They're actually all subsidized, really, in governments. Uh, not all governments you know, operate like the US. The US just has tons of subsidies for corn, wheat, and soy and all that type of stuff. But they're all super cheap, profitable, and they're all super bad for you. They're all kind of just empty calories in the best case. And at the worst case, they could actually be damaging your gut, actually have pesticides all over them, actually you know, doing all kinds of things. So that's just it though. Like, yeah, I mean, hey, that's it. You, you, you only have to go and talk to your local butcher and he'll tell you that, yeah, sure, he can make a living from it, but he's not earning big money. You know, there's no big money in meat, in proper meat, proper butchery. There's no big money in it. But you look at, like you say, a simple processed food. What are the margins there? They're absolutely massive. You know, they're making loads and loads of money. The guys at the top from processing simple foods like corn, wheat, soy, things like that. So is that the reason why the whole world's turning vegan? I mean, like you say, it depends yeah. on what you want to believe. Um, or no, one hundred percent. Or do you follow the science? You know, do you follow the science? Do you follow what what people like yourself and and people? There's there's plenty of people out there now saying, look, look at what our ancestors have done. Look at what the tribes still do nowadays, like you've described to us today. And then it's up to you. Do you really want to believe the fact that? humans evolved on plants or do you want to believe the fact that we need meat in our nutrition so i, I think that's it and there's no there's no money in whole plant foods either i don't have a problem with whole plant foods and i'm, I'm sure you don't i mean maybe some things like kale i mean this is a very recent thing that we've kind of developed and like eat it you know i got caught up in this eating spinach and kale shakes and it's like tons of oxalates and i think you have problems it's like natural to like blend them up and drink them every day 
But generally, I don't have problems with plant foods. And there's no money in plain whole plant foods either. It's not like big blueberry is out there making billions of dollars <laughs> off of blueberries. It's just people making a few cents. You know, it's like you the meat costs, say it costs like $8 a pound. That meat probably costs $7 a pound to, to grow and ship there and like get to the store and all that stuff. I, I don't make any money. I'm like seriously like breaking even on my meat company. And I realized if I want to make money, I would have just made some like protein bar, some processed <laughs> yeah. keto bar. Yeah. I could have made money. I'm not about it. But man, you sell a box of cereal, this box of cereal, $5 for a box of cereal. That probably costs them like 20 cents to make and like get there. Like it's just, it's crazy. So yeah, with the whole foods in general, plant or animal, there's no money. And so- yeah, if people were promoting like actual whole food diets that included animal foods, it's like, I would be okay with that. You know, maybe no one's doing that because no one's making money. No one's like, oh man, we should all eat like a paleo diet, get all, you know, like fresh fruits and vegetables and meat and, and all that stuff. No one's promoting that no. in the mainstream. There's no money to be made. So it shouldn't really be a war of plants versus animals, really. It should be the war against of processed foods versus meat being called the enemy right that's the real story that's it that's exactly my war it's war on processed foods and you can find whatever avenue like yourself you've got the sapien uh, framework you can find where you want to go as long as you're having whole foods then you know pick if you want to pick more of a plant-based side you do but i'm always going to tell you like we've said today that the animal foods will will top up your nutrients top up your vitamins because there are certain things that you can't get from plant foods and i think we talked a lot about bioavailability i've talked a lot about bioavailability on here and, and we did last time about how the human body is better suited to take vitamins and minerals in their animal form from animals from meat um, so if people want to listen more that, to, about that then they can go back and listen to the first one that we did um, in episode six but i don't want to take up any more of your time today it's been absolutely brilliant listening to you and brilliant listening to your stories and Hopefully one day I get, I'll get the chance to go and visit those tribes and uh, hopefully they haven't been infiltrated too much with the uh, processed food um, from us. But uh, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to you um, getting the documentary finished and getting it out there and then people like us can keep fighting the good fight. Oh, man, I love it. Thanks so much for letting me spread the word. And yeah, I'm going to get back to working on that film. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much, Brian.